You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Friday night, this will be your Saturday edition of Locked On Browns, episode 113. Um, like I told you guys, you know, I have a certain way we're trying to do this each week, you know, the type of guests we're going to have. Um, you know, we had uh, Stephen Thomas, the, the, the Daily Mock uh, Browns, Daily Mock Draft last week, but longtime Browns guys, you know, people who understand this, and we're going to add one of these per week. And this is another one I was excited to get today. Ryan, uh, Ryan Burns at FTBL Sickness. Uh, you know, Ryan is a huge champion of the cause here, and you know how guys like you and Steven haven't lost faith yet. I give you guys a lot of credit, I do. But Ryan Birds is with us tonight. Uh, some of you guys, you know, Ryan was you know fixture in these parts for a long time. But look, every now and then you got to step away, either duty calls, life calls, family calls. But we're glad to have Ryan here tonight. Ryan, how my man are you doing? I'm excellent, man. It's a beautiful Friday night here in Southern California, and it is not. I saw your uh, I saw your tweet. It looks like it's awfully chilly out your way. It's about you know it was about seventy today. I I took a walk in uh, you know in a golf shirt and had a, a wonderful business lunch over uh, over in Newport Beach with the breezes going and uh, yeah it's all good out here. Uh, it's terrible. I got a big soccer game tomorrow <laughs> with my daughter and her friends. It's going to be cold. I mean we're looking at maybe a high of thirty eight thirty nine. Oh sweet it Moses. Just sucks. Yep, picked up my daughter at a friend's house. Grandparents were there from Miami. The grandfather, hey, Jeff, hey, Ben. You know it's 87 in Miami today, don't you? <laughs> I was like, dude, what are you doing here, bro? Get out, go, go, go. He's but got not- his priorities in order, though. You know, it, it, The warmth really does sort of manage to kill the pain that comes along with our annual trip through the brown season here. Absolutely. And, yeah, the best part was, though, is there's a guest room. There's an indoor pool. He gave me an invite. I tell nice. you what, I may have to sneak out. Do it. But, <laughs> we're going to get to this, Ryan. We're going to talk some Browns here. Um, now, look, uh, year two of three of the current regime. Yeah, I come into this you know, newer, obviously, a lot of you guys have been here. I don't hate the product that I'm seeing every Sunday. I, I see it's, you know, it's not a full chamber as far as a team yet, which you understand. Um, I know you are, you know, you do see some positives here. Uh, give me a couple of thoughts here on Hugh and what you see from the front office. I mean, obviously, I'm not sure if this is completely working between all of them, but some steps are still being met here. Yeah, I, I mean, if we're going to look at it from sort of a 20,000-foot perspective, I guess the best way to put how I see it for the moment is if I'm Jimmy Haslam, number one, I sort of a backdrop here, I, I think Jimmy Haslam has been the priority or the, the primary problem thus far um, since he bought the team. I mean, I basically think – you know, look, for all his faults, Lerner, at least his concept was, I'm going to hire people that I think know what they're doing and let them do what they're doing. In my estimation, he more or less did that, but tended not to give people enough time to work through it. On the other hand, there were times in that, in that you know, period where it, did, it just was god awful and you had to fire people. With Haslam, he hasn't given anybody a chance to work through a process yet. So I really have no idea what to think about what Haslam's philosophy is. And so as I look at the way he's hired this current regime, look, they, they, it's like two separate tracks reporting to him. So Hughes on one track and the front office is on another. And like you alluded to, it's clearly not parallel tracks, whatever else we might say about it. Um, I've got my thoughts about Hugh. Look, I, I think basically Hugh has been a good weekday coach and a crappy Sunday coach. I feel like the team is reasonably well prepared. I feel like the game plan isn't ridiculous other than 
where Hugh gets too cute and where he has at least for the first, I'd say six games of the season put way too much on, on Kaiser. But, but aside from those two quibbles, not, you know, I don't think it's been ridiculous, but basically I think he mismanages the hell out of it on Sundays. And that's a problem. Um, I like generally what the front office has done in terms of going after high grade athletic talent that produced in college um, but there's no way around one and 23 it, that's on everybody. I think the quarterback situation has been totally mismanaged basically by everyone. Um, but I do tend to put a lot of that on Hugh because he's been the primary, you know, directional voice on that. So look, I didn't expect it to be a lot better than this. If they hit a few more field goals, made a play here or there, they win three or four games last year. Maybe they've won three or four this year. And we're not even having that discussion about how bad it is. To me, it's really not that bad, and it could be a hell of a lot worse, though I grant there's no way around the fact that once you price in all the all the factors, they're one and twenty three and that's bad, so here we are and that's the thing and you know and and that's kind of where my gripe kind of came with you know with with pulling Kaiser for Hogan and then pulling him for Kessler. It, yeah. it, you know there's no difference between one and twenty three three and twenty nine two and thirty. Like, agree. I mean, totally your record, agree. Your record's your record there. And, you know, if you want to fault Kaiser for the first half of the Jets game, that game should have been maybe 10 10 with two minutes to go. So, you know, regardless, even, even after he made the quarterback change, you know, if he mm-hmm. had just taken the points, but, you know, hey, that's for <laughs> it's all for another day. Um, Deshaun Kaiser, look, I was higher on him than most. I admit it. I understand. Um, I'm not going to deny that there's been some struggles. Um, you know, there's definitely you, you're going to add more to the quarterback position this year. You you know through the 18 process, you'd be foolish not to with all the capital you have. But you know, where are you on Deshaun Kaiser currently? You know, it's an interesting question because you know, going back a year or so when we were all looking at the various quarterbacks that were available, the way I sort of ranked the available quarterbacks included a good Kaiser and bad Kaiser designation. Good Kaiser was QB one, bad Kaiser was a distant QB five. And that's still kind of how I look at him. There's so many things I see that I really like. I think he's, I, I generally think he's poised. I think he's tough. He's, you know, the physical attributes are evident. Um, big arm. He's got in moments, some really rare, uh, arm talent in the way that he does understand how to properly manipulate a pass. Having said all that, he's extremely inaccurate on the whole. And in my view, really thus far doesn't, you know, it just doesn't look like he understands that the ball needs to come out as things are happening, not once you see them happening. Um, and so I, look, do I think there's room for him to maybe succeed? Absolutely. I do. Am I skipping a quarterback that I like because of him? No chance in hell. And that's kind of where I am on Deshaun Kaiser. I certainly don't give up on the guy because I think, A, he's talented. B, I actually think he's mature and tough. Um, but I think he is a, a long, long way from being a, a consistent starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think it's actually gotten worse this year based on how he was handled. You know, this, this jerking him in and out of the lineup. Look. I, I got the benchings. He wasn't playing well, but don't <laughs> don't back and forth it over and over and over again. Just go with these guys. None of these guys are going to be the difference between zero wins and seven wins. These aren't those guys. 
And so accepting that and realizing that you've got to develop one of them, it does seem to me that Kaiser is the guy with the highest ceiling, and you ought to at least give him the shot to run with it. Well, two things with Kaiser. I think because his mind, you know, his mind process is slow, he thinks that he can just win everything with the fact that he's got a strong arm. That's, yeah. you know, that's dangerous. It's reckless. Typical that's young guy mistake. Absolutely. And actually, this one from Jeff Rizden, I had him on a couple of nights ago talking about Deshaun Kaiser. And this is kind of where, you know, kind of in agreement with you. You know, he said, 2015, Deshaun Kaiser? He said, you look at a guy who makes a couple, you know, a couple of Pro Bowls. He said, 2016, Notre Dame, Deshaun Kaiser? You're looking at a guy who doesn't see a second contract in the NFL. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot there. He is 21. And it's kind of, you almost feel bad for the kid because he went from a shitty, oh, sure. shitty situation sure. at Notre Dame, uh, you know, where, you know, Always seen the finger was being pointed at him, and now he kind of got himself into a similar situation here after the coach boasted in August and said, yes, my second-round quarterback is the first starting quarterback, and it's not going to matter the mistakes. We're going to live with it. Oh, dude, you got to sit down, man. You're making mistakes. He was out go. there doing it again today, man. What are you going to do? Yep. I mean, that's you know kind of the way it rolls. Um, a little bit more about the offense. I think you know the offensive line, I'm okay with where it's at. Obviously, with you know the Joe Thomas extension, we're going to get to see Joe in 2018. It doesn't mean – with a guy of his age, you know, there certainly has to be a viable option behind him. And if you end up with six great offensive linemen, that's not the worst thing in the world. But this offense, I mean, look, besides the young tight ends who don't play enough, who don't get featured enough, this offense is void of skill. Yeah, I might I might quibble. Uh, you know, I Go think, ahead. look, I think Corey Coleman, if he could be healthy, which I would grant everybody is a big I, fat I kind, question mark. I'm kind of omitting him because since yeah. I've since I've been doing this, Corey Coleman has not been a part of this. Fair enough. I had yeah. Corey Coleman as my number one wide receiver in that class. I think maybe this was a tough to sit, you know, tough, tough spot for him to come into. So, I mean, if you want to view the guys who aren't here, but I mean, you look at what's going on each, you know, I mean, they're just basically each week. It's like where they're trying to pick two wide receivers and. Yes. For and, practical purposes, as it currently stands, they don't have jack shit on the outside. I agree <laughs> with you. Um, I, I actually, I think part of that has been exacerbated by a game plan that has minimized snaps from a guy like Njoku. Look, I get it. He's 19 or 20 years old. Super young guy, super raw guy. Doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Look, you're losing football games. The whole point that the front office, the whole point of the front office plan with the way they've drafted is let's get a bunch of young, super talented guys that can learn together. Well, there's the school of thought out there that the best way to learn is to screw up on the field. And if you're going to be losing anyway, look, and to me, losing means anything eight wins or less. Like I don't care if you're seven wins, seven wins doesn't mean a damn thing. It's the same as zero wins to me. It's all awful. And so I'd rather have the young, super talented guys out there playing. And I'd like to see a lot more of guys like Njoku. I'd like to see Ricardo Lewis out there getting peppered with targets, even if it means you're going to lose. Because you've already shown that your best effort is going to lose anyway. And quite frankly, I want to see what the younger, most talented guys on the team can bring, even in a bad situation. Because I really do believe that most guys... It, you know, look, if you can play, you can play. And, and a guy like Njoku, look, he's out there scoring touchdowns with genuinely no idea what he's doing. And so I think if you can do that, then, look, there are things to be reasonably excited about for the long-term future. But to me, it, it's Njoku. Duke Johnson, I would say, is another really talented guy. But, hey, maybe not we'll get used. to see. Yeah, <laughs> and not being used. Maybe we'll be really lucky and get to see four weeks of 
Coleman and Gordon and Joku, but I tend to be pretty, uh, pretty. We'll call it, we'll call it realistic about that slash, you know, cynical. So we'll see. I, I agree with you. Look, the, the the skill positions need serious upgrading, and it's a good thing they've got a quadrillion picks in the next draft. That'll help. Yeah, and that's almost that's kind of where my issue is with you. And look, I mean, you know, week in week out, they for the most part seem to be hanging tough. But Hugh's issue is you're hanging tough because the defense is playing lights out. They're playing tough. You know, these guys are giving everything they have. Hugh needs to hang his hat on development of Deshaun Kaiser, and I would say the four Ds: Deshaun mm. Kaiser, Devalve, David Najoku, Duke Johnson. If they were losing thirty-one to twenty-eight. You know, that would help you. The fact that the defense is doing the brunt of the work and the offense isn't, it's only making it worse for him. And the more he boasts about it, it's like, well, do you kind of, you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. You know, and that's where my kind of issue is with that uh, as far as him. Uh, just one more before we switch on size, talk a little bit more about the defense. Josh Gordon, and, and this is the thing, everybody, you know, let's not put the cart before the horse here. <laughs> let's say he makes it to this date. Now, I, I know a bunch of people say, you know what, maybe let's see in where he's at. You know, make him sit. We'll see where he's at in 2018. I, I kind of I have a problem with that because when your absence has been this long. Yeah, from forget the game, that noise, dude. No. <laughs> but, but, but here's the other thing. But even if he gets to 18, we haven't seen the guy play football since my daughter was eight. She turns 11 right. on November 24th. We need right. to see what he can do. You gotta, you're playing just Josh Gordon out of the box, right? Oh, my God. I'm throwing him the ball 25 times the first week he's available. <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I, I get it. I totally understand the school of thought. And it's a little bit old school that says, hey, let's make him earn it. I'll tell you this. If you if you back it up even one step, my philosophy on Josh Gordon is that he's going to be a Cleveland Brown or nothing. Uh, I don't know what the hell people are talking about when they say trade him for a fourth round pick. Get whatever you can for him. Look, there is no fourth round pick in the frigging world I'm taking for Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon is going to be a superstar for my football team or he is going to rot. Those are my two options as far as I'm concerned from a managerial perspective. The invested risk in that guy is nothing, and he's not going to screw up your team. You can keep him away if you have to, and if he screws it all up in the process, well, then this is all a moot conversation. But this is a team completely devoid of touchdown scorers at this moment. I'm playing that guy every chance, every snap he can handle, and I'm getting him every football he can handle, and I'm going to go try and win the last four ball games of the season. Now, having said all that, I have almost no faith whatsoever that he's going to show up and be ready to be get ready to go. And so let's just see what happens. Look, if he's there and he's ready to go and he's a superstar who has, you know, five games accrued for this season and thereby doesn't actually accrue another full season of service and the Browns get a free year of that guy, by all means, let's see what that means. Because, look, that is a game-changing dude. There is no way to see him in person or on television. I've seen him in person two or three times now. There, I've seen. I'm 42 years old. I've seen a lot of football up close. There aren't five dudes I've ever, ever in my life seen like Josh Gordon. I was actually at uh, a couple of years ago. I was at, and we, this was pretty much his breakout game is uh, when they played at the New York Giants, and it was just you know, and he was a guy. I mean, he basically didn't even have a college career. You know, everybody no. just you know, oh, he's so talented, you know, but but kept screwing up. Everybody get passing the buck, and finally got himself to the spot. But no, like you said, I mean, you can't rely on Josh Gordon. You can't. It's an added bonus. You're paying him nothing, absolutely nothing monetarily wise. 
I mean, it's all on him. It's it's honestly, it's you know, it's just, it's basically a scratch off lot, lottery ticket. It's you're either going to lose or you would be wanting four hundred and seventy five million. Who's going to win? You know, the win for life type of thing. So I mean, look, you got the guy all the time in the world. And the thing is, is one thing I do like is you know, Will Fuller, Equinomis, Equinus St. Brown at, at Notre Dame. He's kind of combination of those two type of guys and. Those are the guys Deshaun excelled with. I mean, you know, to see him out there with something like that, I mean, I can't lie. I'd be mad. Mad, mad fun. You know, St. Brown was a high school kid out here. Um, okay. He was. He went to one of the you know, parochial schools about 20 minutes from me. So I saw him play, you know, I want to say three or four high school games up close. He was so ridiculous. That's definitely one of those guys on the list of, while we're thinking about wide receivers that would be nice to add for any quarterback in the room. That kid, St. Brown, from Notre Dame is something else. And it's actually funny because uh, I brought up a couple uh, a couple nights ago, uh, John Brown from the Cardinals is a free agent this year. Mm. And if you're looking mm. for like a Will Fuller type-ish, you know, because look, you, I mean, you always want to, you know, it's not necessarily the same guys, but I look at guys, and I know I do this a lot with Jameis Winston, which is why I liked, you know, O.J. Howard going there. I mean, Nick O'Leary is the only, only reason he's in the NFL is he looked good in college with Jameis Winston. So then you're like, well, if he likes a tight end and you can get him this type of t- – so, you know, a guy, Will Fuller-ish like, you know, so, you know, John Brown, maybe for agent this year. I mean, kind of interesting. And, you know, I got to be honest, you know, the Cardinals are probably, you know, blowing everything up because, I mean, they're all Yeah, they've right. got to sort of mix it back up, don't they? They're a – They're know, all got all right, right? Back. It's probably done. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're hanging out at our table, bro. It's a little all over there in Arizona. Um now the D, I think one of the biggest things, now look, the Miles Garrett pick, an absolute slam dunk of a pick. You know, obviously haven't seen him enough. You're going to see what an explosive pass rusher does for a D. In the limited we've seen so far, you know, does he get excited or what? Oh, um, yes, to say the least. Look, there were a lot of, I won't say a lot, but there were people who wanted the Browns to take guys like Mitch Trubisky over, over Miles Garrett. And I, I'm so pleased that they resisted that temptation, even though the quarterback thirst is indeed real. Look, I am, I'm a firm believer in building your team on championship defense, dominant offensive line. And yes, you must have your quarterback, but let's be real about it. If you have a quarterback and those two other things, you got a real good chance at a Super Bowl. And, and, so the the school of thought that says just keep drafting quarterbacks and don't do anything else, I, you know, it's not that you avoid quarterback, but the idea being you build something around the quarterback position that allows the quarterback position to either grow in peace or to be somewhat minimized in terms of impact on the game result. I'm I believe in that. It makes a ton of sense to me. The game, the quarterback position is the hardest damn thing in sports. Period. End of story. There's nothing like it. It is the single hardest thing in sports. And, and so when I look around the league and you've got seven, maybe ten guys that are even passable as franchise type guys, I think, well, it sure makes a lot of sense to me to try and go the championship defense route. And when I look at the assets they've put together, you know, Miles Garrett's at the top of that list. And the way that he changes how teams have to prepare. Just in the few games he's played, I mean, look, four sacks in three games or whatever it is, those are all fun numbers, and and we can all actually have watched the games and realized that a couple of those sacks were awfully easy and whatnot. Even in the preseason, he was changing how teams blocked him. 
Tampa Bay had to block him with two or three guys on every damn play because Jameis almost got killed on the very first snap. And so when you look at the way that works, it impacts everything. Coverage is going to look much better. Pressure is going to look much better. As he and Ogba develop together, the pinch on the outside is going to be something to see. Look, Miles Garrett's a monster. And as long as they can keep him on the field, the whole league's going to learn it. And, you know, and that was one thing on him. Like, you know, I, I like the fact that he was, you know, proactive in, look, I, I'm not sure this is right. And look, there's nothing, nothing's going to change this year. And, you know, that's where he was smart. Look, you know, look out for your health. You know, I, I hope more guys start to do this, you know, like we talked before. That's just the real world we're in now, I think. I, uh, you- and I hope, I hope this is, you know, I hope this is the way it goes. You know, maybe they'll open up the roster size. I mean, they open up the practice squad to 10 guys yeah. now. I mean, you got to realize, you know, with a game as violent as this is, and look, with all the stuff coming out of Boston with the CTE studies, these guys, you know, it's got to be affecting some guys who, you know, who are more intelligent and read about it. Uh, we're going to get a little more. But the D-line, love the D-line. Uh, linebacking crew, you know, I think with the addition of Collins, I think Joe Schobert is really underrated. Give me some thoughts on them, we'll, you know, then we'll trickle on down to the secondary. Well, I'm with you on Schobert. He's been kind of all over the field. There are moments where he's a little overmatched, you know, in coverage with with a great athlete up a seam. He's he's going to get beat, and that's the way it is. Um, but from a here's a guy that understands football, knows where he needs to be, has good instincts for the football, and is and is always around the play. Look, Joe Schobert's going to help your football team. Um, I don't know if he's an All Pro. But he's a guy that can. He's certainly a guy that can play for me. He's a guy that can start for me in this league. I think you want to be able to put him into the right matchups and sort of the right situations. But he's a hell of a piece to what I think is a pretty good linebacking core. I know there are, look, there are valid questions about sort of Jamie Collins and whether he maximizes everything that he could conceivably bring to the table. I think to some degree I share them, but by and large, there's um, a reason Bill moved on. Yeah, there is. Uh, but by and large, he's still going to be better than 85% of the linebackers that you're thrusting into that kind of a role. And so I'm willing to live with that. I think when you look at a guy like Kirksey, you're getting everything out of that guy every week. I wouldn't think twice about signing him up for the rest of his career. I love Christian Kirksey. And so I think they've got a good group. You know, the linebackers don't necessarily have to be a super deep group with the way they're playing defense these days. I think you're going to see a lot of, look, part of my overall philosophy about where the game is going is these position labels are sort of outdated. I mean, there are a lot of guys that are playing sort of hybridized linebacker defensive line or linebacker defensive back positions. I think Greg Williams is at the forefront of that. And I think that benefits a team like the Browns who prioritizes athleticism and and, and um, vulnerability. That's hilarious. And uh, <laughs> very variability is really what I was going for. Um, but you, you want guys who can play multiple positions, and that's sort of a Belichick staple for 25 years, and the rest of the league is just catching up to it. Um, I do think that's part of the theory behind Peppers, but we'll see kind of where that evolves. Um, but I like the linebackers. I think I think it's a good group. I think they could stand to add one that is more of a linebacker than a defensive lineman who was sort of a, a blitz pass rush specialist. But I, again, you're 18 months into this project. So I'm, I'm, I think part of this whole discussion about where they are and where they should be and where they aren't is really a matter of expectations and what you really thought you were going to see. My expectations weren't really dashed by anything I've seen so far this year. Other than that, I would have liked to have seen better game day coaching. And so from that perspective, I don't think they're a hell of a lot worse than I thought they'd be. They've won fewer games than I thought they would. I expected them to have two, three wins by now, too. 
But the reality is you make a play, literally a play here or there, kick a field goal here and there, and they did. So to me, it's so close that I'm not real concerned about it because whatever they win this year, it wasn't going to matter in the first place. And look, you know, and this is actually what I brought up last night with uh, Matt Miller. You know, me coming to do this show, I I think I took the tank from the Jets and I kind of just drove the sucker right into (laughs) Cleveland. But look, 3-13, and you know, 4-12, and I mean – it's nice. Maybe some six you know, and season, ten. What's the difference? Season ticket holders are happy, but look, if you're if you're not making the playoffs, you might as well be drafting top five. So that's right, absolutely. The second, but you do want to improve. And and look, Browns fans have heard that shit for fifteen years. See, so I, that's, that's, that's the really the problem. Yes, it's that's the, really the problem. Is it's it's years and years of I've heard this already, and it's uncomfortable and it sucks and it's unpleasant. But here's the reality of it: sooner or later, we're gonna have to sit through. More of this than we would like to get to the end of the rainbow. That's just how I see it. And right now, I actually like where most of this team is headed. I would grant anyone that the quarterback situation has been held or handled poorly, and they need some more skill players. But I'm not firing everybody over where they are. And but also that's the thing though. But you look at it, it, it and like you said, maybe there's seven to ten top QBs. Aaron Rodgers is down. You know they had Hunley there for years. Oh, we love him. We love him. We love him. Well, now he's playing. And he's not doing so. I mean, there's yep. yeah, tough game. It's, it, it's it's just so tough to find the guy, and it's the mix of the blend that who he's playing with, the guys who are coaching with him, the system that you're running, and it's just it's so difficult to hit on it. But uh, we'll get in now. Uh, secondary uh, locked on Browns. Ryan Burns joining us here this evening. Uh, you know, a little fun here as we close out this week of shows. Got some great stuff coming next week for you guys. The secondary. Uh, Jason McCourty, uh, you know, obviously turned out to be a pretty solid signing. Obviously, you know, from what we see with, uh, you know, Joe Hayden in the past, you know, for what McCourty, the money he's making, things look good there. Uh, little thoughts about that, and we'll get into the safeties. I think this is a team full of box safeties, you know, which is a little bit of an issue right now, no? It is, although, and I know this is going to sound ridiculous to some listeners, but I'm okay with that. I've I've jumped off that bridge before. The kid they just pulled off the Cincinnati practice. Thank squad, you, fifteen. Uh, I know you know him well. I only and I I failed to realize when I first saw the news story as to who it was, but it's the kid from Fresno State, and I, I'm just look, I'm kind of optimistic about that. I I liked that kid a lot when he was playing at Fresno State, and I I felt like he was sort of. The, I won't say the lone bright spot, but he was clearly, to me, the primary bright spot on that Fresno State team. And I know most of the country isn't sitting around watching Fresno State games, but number one, I'm on the West Coast. Number two, a lot of kids from my area end up there. And number three, they're on they're on late on, on nights that I can sit around and watch football. So I, I've seen a lot of that team over the years. And so, I, look, Darren Smith piece. can play a little bit. He's, he's a ball hawk and free safety that is exactly the guy that they kind of need. So I, I'd actually kind of expect to see him sooner rather than later and so I'll be I'll be eager to see how he plays out but but yeah I agree with you the safety position still needs work and and again I fall back on you can't fix it all in one or even two drafts it takes exactly I mean I I look at that Raider team that so many want to cite you know that that Derek Carr or the Khalil Mack Derek Carr draft and let's make sure we we mention that Derek Carr was the second pick in that draft he was in middle you know the early second round there that was their third draft. That was year three. It wasn't like Reggie McKenzie walked in and fixed pass rusher, superstar, and franchise quarterback in one week. In fact, most of the Raider fans I know, and there were a lot of them because that's my people, they wanted that cat fired 
before he found Khalil Mack and Reggie or, and and Derek Carr. And so here we are a couple years later, and even them, you're still they're struggling to get past the hump because it's so much harder than just finding that one or two pieces. And so I think the bottom line is as miserable as it is, is you got to have some patience about these things and let a plan play out. But I think if you look at the cornerback position that you're talking about, it shows you that they have some idea of what they're doing. I grant that, look, maybe this team could have used Joe Hayden. Do I think it matters? No, I really don't. Joe Hayden is doing exactly what he's being asked of in Pittsburgh. And frankly, there's, there's no way to really bitch about the way he's playing. He's playing fine. He couldn't do what they're asking corners to do in Cleveland. He couldn't do what Jason McCourty's doing. He couldn't do, my God, Brienne Body Calhoun has been an absolute revelation from damn near day one. Everybody I have on. That's the guy they want to talk about. He's unbelievable. That guy's just every making plays. He's a physical force and presence for the defense. He is loud. That guy is one of my favorite players on the team. And, and then Jamar Taylor, really good year last year. This year, not quite as tight, but still awfully, awfully productive. Look, to me, the way they've handled the corner position shows that they have some idea what they're doing. The safety position. I Look, Derek Kindred's playing really well. Yep. Peppers, they say, or Hugh says, is playing out of position. I think Peppers has got a future, honestly. My view of it is at either spot. I'm not in a huge hurry with the guy. Look, do I want him playing 30 yards off the line? No, I guess I don't really understand that on the whole. But look, Greg Williams is a better defensive coordinator than I am. I I have to admit that. And so I think there are things about this Browns defense that I just sort of chalk up to. They don't have everything they would like to have or everything that I think they will have a year from now. And so personally, look, maybe it's just the old man in me, but I'm willing to sort of see this thing out. I think the thing with Peppers is I think it's almost the same kind of thing that went on at Michigan. It's like, well, everything's there. I mean, as far as this guy, and look, you know, I I don't want, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, knock his mentality, but I mean, there's like a feeling about playing safety. You know, you, you have to be able to see everything and process everything that's going on in front of you. And whether or not you were the greatest athlete in the world and everything says X, Y, and Z, he should be able to play this position, you know, not everybody is Earl Thomas and playing that position. Oh, I agree with that. You know, yep. so, I mean, I think maybe the Browns want to see that for themselves. I think they're going to slowly start to realize that, you know, they're hurting themselves and they're hurting him. They're hurting his confidence and asking him to do things that he's just not capable of. I think he's more Bob Sanderish. And I put this tweet out there the other day. And, guys, no, I'm not comparing to Bob Sanders, so just relax. <laughs> but he can do things of that role. You know, blow up plays in the backfield because – He's yeah. quicker anticipating in front of him than he is, you know, almost essentially. And I, and I don't think him. he's going to break apart the way Bob Sanders did. You know, look, I think, no. <laughs> I think the thing with Peppers is, look, I really, I, I actually do think he's kind of out of position, and I think there is a role for him in what Greg Williams is trying to do. And what I'm talking, look, I think when you put Peppers, if if you put him in a game and you knew everybody was going to run the ball, he would demolish running games. And I think when you get uh, when you get a fuller, a, a more complete free safety back there assisting him, I do think that's sort of the role that they have in mind for him. I don't know that he was drafted to play free safety. I don't, in fact, suspect that he was. They like and the so, athleticism. Yeah. I mean, look, and, and there's no doubt that he bolsters your return game, which to me remains important. So, uh, look, I, I totally get those that question that pick. It's it's valid. But I I don't necessarily – worry that he hasn't been a top-notch free safety eight games into his career. 
No, I agree. I mean, and like you said, look, you know, with you know two draft classes and two in, you, know, you can't even really count so much the first couple of years of free agency because it's great to have cap space, but it's a whole other thing when who the hell you know, wants to come lose? It sucks. Thank you. What product are you selling? You know, when you have this cap space, exactly. Things could look more promising going in this offseason. And the way the wide receiver group that could be available is, I mean, you're selling a wide receiver one spot, a wide receiver two spot. Mm. And, and the thing that, look, Pittsburgh, Ben Roth You're going to need to be able to sell a quarterback at some point. That as well. That as well. But as far as the division, you look at Cincinnati, look, things ain't much better over there. Andy Dalton. I, have I think never, they're worse. Exactly. I've never been a fan of Andy Dalton's. I think Cincinnati is, you know, one step away from being them. You look at Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger, every offseason spends two months telling you about, I think I'm going to come back. Once you're that yeah. close to retirement, look, we're old. <laughs> We'd love to be retired. But once you're that close to retirement, it's definitely a big thought on your mind. And you look at Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore, how they win any games, I have no idea. They're, they're an absolute tragic mess. I mean, there is a huge chance here for a huge shift in the AFC North if they hit on everything. One thing we're going to get to before you leave, Ryan, you're out in L.A. Uh, apparently, there's a couple quarterbacks that play at schools out there that everybody wants to talk about. Uh, you know, Josh Rosen, I will tell you right now, as far as physically throwing the ball, there is nothing more beautiful than watching Josh Rosen throw the football if you're comparing all these guys. And then Sam Darnold, who's a little bit more of, you know, technician type. Give me some thoughts to these guys. I know you're out there. I know you know them well. I think I've seen Darnold a bunch of times. Um, saw him as a high school kid at San Clemente High School, which is about 25 minutes south of me right here on the coast. Um, and so and I've been hearing about Rosen since basically he picked up a football. You know, the, you know, Rosen didn't really pick up a football until high school. He had been a, a national junior tennis stud, like top five, top ten kind of player across the country. And he was 12 or 13 before he picked up a football and turns out it all translates pretty well. And he, like you say, he throws as pretty a ball, I think is, I mean, I, I would genuinely put him in the top, top, top tier of prettiest football throwers I've ever seen. Guys like Warren Moon, maybe yep. not the same nice. cannon. That's always the guy I go with. Yeah. Maybe not the same cannon, but his release and the, the natural um, touch and accuracy with which he can throw a football is is genuinely special. Uh, the thing about Darnold is all that stuff that people don't want to attribute to quarterback wins. <laughs> the thing about Darnold is he he manages to win football games, and um, it's a really interesting study to me. I look, I I genuinely like both guys, and I w I would have a question or two about either one of them, and I would be thrilled to get thrilled to death to for the Browns to get either one. Um, so. Do I know for a fact that either of them is going to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL? Absolutely not. Would I be willing to bet on either of those and, frankly, one or two other guys in this upcoming draft? Yes. I, look, straight up, I don't think Darnold's going to be in this draft. I think he'll go back to school. Part of that is I hear things from people in that town that have reason to know things. Part of it is all the stuff you hear in the, in the wider media about how he's going to go back to school. Part of it is, dude. Life at USC as the starting quarterback is awfully good. And if you get an insurance policy, that pretty much covers it. So I, I can imagine Darnold for sure going back to school. Rosen, I think, is for sure out. 
Um, and I think he's probably going in the top five of the draft. So I'm, I'm maybe crazy about that. Maybe all this stuff about the off field will, will ruin him. But when guys like Blake Bortles go in the top three, I really wonder how Josh Rosen isn't going number one overall. So I, I think those guys are both super talented quarterbacks. I'd be pretty psyched about getting either one of them. Um, but it's like anything else, uh, in that game, the quarterback position is simply a, I won't say it's a crapshoot, but you really don't know what you got until the kid's playing on Sundays. Exactly. And the one thing I wanted to get to, I mean, with Rosen, look, I mean, it seems like there's one foot out the door. I mean, there's already questions of, look. Dude, I'm impressed that he's talking about playing the bowl game. I'd be out the door if I were him. They're off. Understood. Absolutely. And, And the fact that those questions are coming up shows you kind of what you need to know. And I think Sam Darnold put himself in a perfect spot because this was, I mean, it's weird that, you know, you know, Ben Albright, he's always been good to me. But it's weird that this was a breaking story a week or two ago. Sam Darnold basically said in the beginning of August, I have no intention of going to the NFL right now. I want to come, which is, you know, which is the way every kid should play it. So you don't have to deal with it. You know, I mean, and if everything pans out and, you know, when you turn up, you know, three lucky sevens, you know, well, he perfect. really is a young kid, too. People forget, like, and you look at these, the guy these are kids. These are not grown men. They and just you aren't. Look at the guy in Cleveland currently. He came yep. out because he couldn't stay anymore. It just would, you know, you know. Brian Kelly is always a guy who. It seems like Brian Kelly is always in love with his next quarterback. It kind of seems what's been going on at Notre Dame. But Sam Darnold told everybody in August, "I really don't have any intentions of leaving here." So, I mean, for him, it's what this is. What I told you all five months ago. I had no intentions of leaving. And, you know, so that's just a pain in the – you know, it, it's weird. It's crazy. And this quarterback class, as much as everybody loved it, and, and it sucks, you know – and look, I'm as guilty as anybody else. It sucks for these guys as quarterbacks going through this process because, I mean, these guys get mauled like a vulture coming down on roadkill. It's just the way it goes. I mean, you know, these guys go from first round to third day – because they had a tough game against a conference fo- opponent who's seen him three times and got three interceptions on him. It's 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 so tough to watch for these quarterbacks. I mean, how these guys deal with this on a daily basis, I have no idea as far as being 20, 21 years old. It's just a rough, rough process. Yeah. There, look, I think, to me, a lot of the view of how the quarterback position exists at the NFL level is just mismanaged expectation and mismanaged personnel. I think a lot more guys would benefit from some time to wait and watch. I know that's not necessarily the cool thing to say. I get that everybody thinks either you can play or you can't. I don't think it's quite that simple. I think a lot of these guys, if you're coming into the league at 20, and maybe this is an old guy in me looking back and thinking, damn, that would be awfully hard at 20, 21, 22 years old for most guys to step in and do the single hardest thing in their profession. It, it is so hard to play quarterback at the NFL level. And I, you're, do, you're asking some of these guys as rookies, a guy like Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota. Imagine being Marcus Mariota having gone from Hawaii to Oregon to Nashville, Tennessee in the course of roughly three and a half, four years and having to become the face of a multi-billion dollar operation and responsible for its effective administration and operation. That's friggin' crazy to ask a 21-year-old kid to do that, and he's done it pretty admirably. And I think a lot of these guys would really benefit from being 23, 24. I'm not saying, look, watch someone do it who has a general sense of how it's done. And in the meantime, 
get your off the field life. Look, you're moving to a new city. You're becoming a grown up. For those of us that have done it and been a grown up for 20 years, that's a big switch, man. When you go from going to college to professional life, you no longer have the vacations and all that. It's a, that's a big switch even when you're not asking some kid to be the public face of a multi-million dollar, billion dollar operation. And so for me, I really think that a lot of the NFL quarterback position has sort of been generally mismanaged just conceptually for a lot of years. And I'm, I'm sort of curious to see how that continues to play out in, in the future because they're, they're picking guys based on the kinds of potential that I understand but that I don't think necessarily translates to what is winning football from that position. I mean, at the end of the day, Peyton Man- Manning revolutionized the game with his mind, not with his arm or his legs. He revolutionized the game with his mind. And if you can't play it at that level, and I submit that most guys at 20 or 21 straight out of college cannot, um, you're going to be in real trouble. You're not going to win a lot of football games, and that's what you're seeing with the Browns right now. See, and that's what the problem is. And as far as you know, with the coaches, the coaches end up with, well, i got to play this kid. Because you right. want to know what? If I wait any longer, somebody else is going to be coaching this kid who was my kid. So and it just you know it sucks, and these kids get rushed, and it, uh, it probably it's the thirst for the position and needing the position. You just you know you hope for so much, and that's how we end up with so many flamed out guys. But Ryan, appreciate it, bro. You know, forty minutes of greatness, bro. We're gonna get you back more. I need you around a little bit, so you know, find some time here, buddy. I'm here, man. I appreciate it, Jeff. All right, Locked On Browns, Friday night. We'll publish this out tomorrow morning for Saturday, episode 113. Guys, thanks so much for everything. Like I said, I want this show to be your show. People you want. Actually, you guys hooked me up today. I got two more guests for next week. All of you guys want to hear, I appreciate everybody. Everybody have a great night.